Powered by Rev Media in partnership with TSN. This is season five, and I'm pretty sure it's episode 39. Could be 38, 37, I don't know, of the Rain Dregs Hockey Podcast and is presented by our title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey, who have introduced the first release of the Canadian Club Invitation Series, CC 15-year-old Sherry Cass, a signature CC classic 12-year-old whiskey finished with a secondary aging in Oloroso Sherry Cass. And after a couple of episodes with the O-Dog Jeff O'Neill, Ray Ferrero has returned to his rightful perch. Um, we'll talk about the All-Stars part of headlines coming up in just a moment here, Ray. Just as important, though, the golf trip. How was the golf trip? The very reason why, you know, you had earned yeah. a couple of couple of episodes off of Ray and Dregs last week. Well, uh, apparently it's been cold in Arizona. We got out there and it was 78 Fahrenheit for four days in a row. Perfect. Oh, it was amazing. Like shorts, golf shirt, little sweater in the morning. Boom. Perfect weather. Uh, 12 guys uh, played 36 holes a day. Um, You know, Played well enough to get to the payout window. Good for every, you. Every round. Um, it, I'm a dangerous seven handicap. I play, <laughs> I play like well for like 14 holes, and then I have four doubles that blow my score up. Happens all the time. It's a, so frustrating, but it's really yeah. good for these sort of oh, things. Oh, for sure it is. And um, yeah, I. Uh, it was just so fun. And then uh, I uh, got to see some people that I hadn't seen in a while and then jumped on a flight Thursday to get to get to Toronto for Thursday yeah. night. And uh, I got there, the skill or the uh, draft was started and uh, did the skills the next day. And uh, the game on Saturday flew home Saturday night. So O'Neill and I were very jealous about your golf trip, but he also knows you know, how invested you are, not just in your game. I mean, Jeff is a very serious golfer. I mean, he's, a, Oh, he's like good single, too. He's like a, Yo, you know, one, he's a one two, or two maybe. Yeah. He's yeah. really good. But he's like, all right, here's, here's what Ray and that group are doing. They're playing 36 a day. They're walking, you know, all of this. He's like, I can't do that. Like <laughs> he's like 18 mm-hmm. holes. I need a cart. Nah, I, I, you know, I just want to hit the ball and get to the next hole. This, this one though, we, uh, we did, we, I think because it's January, we did, or was, we, uh, we, we did ride. So the, oh, the 36 nice. holes yeah. was far easier than, than the trudge around for 12 miles <laughs> while you're <laughs> trying to find your ball and hit the damn thing. No kidding. All right. How about a little housekeeping before we just move on into headlines? And speaking of the O-Dog, right? So first uh, episode that he joined me in so a week ago, last Tuesday, uh, near the end, you know, we're just wrapping up the pod. And I'm like, hey, by the way, do you have any Ray Ferraro stories from back in the day when you would have played against each other? Um, Three guesses as to the story that he shared about maybe, maybe your first interaction on the ice. Well, it was, it had to be because I had never seen him before. Cause it's not like, right. Like it's not like now, I mean, here's this 18 year old kid that shows up in Hartford and yeah. I'm in Los Angeles. Like yeah. we never saw them. We never, right. Never. <laughs> I never even knew who Jeff O'Neill was. And yeah, there's so I no guess Twitter, I'm, there's no internet. <laughs> no. And the only reason I know this is he's brought this up. I know it's gotta be this story, but he's brought this up 
And I just laughed. I don't remember it, but, um, you know, always got that round face. Even when he was like a young kid, he, you know, he just has got a round face. And I guess there was a scrum and I looked at him and I puffed out my cheeks at him. Like, what are you doing here? Little hefty fella. And, and I just puffed my cheeks out at him. And I guess he was so rattled, but I didn't even know who he was. I just, you know, like beat it. Who are you? You're, you know, like, like his, his recollection of that story to the detail is is incredible so no, just fair game we wanted to be to be yeah. able to clear the air no hard feelings jeff is good about it you know you're good about it so yeah it was, I I, it, it's so it, it's so funny like that we started working together <laughs> and he goes you know first time we met and just the way he tells us you know he kind of goes yeah. like this and then he tells a story i was dying i thought it was so funny he has a story like that though about so many different people like players that he yeah. played with players that he played against coaches that he played for i mean his ability again to recall every single minute detail of those experiences he's got a mind like a steel well, trap with i stuff. wish i could remember the guy i can't but he scratched himself from a game and O would come in from warm up and <laughs> the guy's right. get the guy's getting his gear off and O's like, What are you doing? He's like, Oh, I can't play. I've got the sniffles. And, and Jeff said, the what? And the way he tells the story that this guy scratched himself from an NHL game with the sniffles, but I can't remember the player's name. It's just, but it's just, it's the mannerisms, right? Yeah. It's the the the, the the faces that he makes, the gestures that goes into the storytelling, phenomenal stuff. So he was excellent, by the way, in pinch hitting. Of course he would be. Briggs. Awesome. Thanks, Hope. All right, time for headlines, Ray, brought to you by Tim Hortons. They're celebrating 60 years of keeping it fresh with the return of the four iconic retro donuts, all delicious. The Dutchie, of course, the blueberry fritter, cinnamon sugar twist, and last but not least, walnut crunch. Available right now for a limited time only at Tim Hortons. So London City Police held a press conference on Monday confirming charges against the five players from Canada's 2018 World Junior Team. Uh, the result of an investigation from an alleged sexual assault in London, Ontario in June of 2018. None of the allegations against the players have been proven. The case will return to court on April 30th, so we will... Uh, just kind of stay away from any of the legal discussion on this until, again, the case progresses or we have more information to pass along. Um, meanwhile, in other news, Ray, man, you missed a busy week, which isn't a bad thing, but, you know, mm -hmm. we're going to give you the opportunity to catch up. Uh, but before we talk about the trades and the firing of Todd McCullen in L.A., you, as mentioned, did come back from your golf trip to uh, be part of, you know, a... Uh, a mass broadcast, that's what it was. The NHL All-Star over the weekend here in Canada, of course, um, and, uh, you know, on, on ESPN, etc. I thought it was entertaining from my spot in my living room. I can only imagine that you would feel the same way with based on what you saw front and center in, uh, front and center in Toronto. Uh, I, I thought they did a great job. I From the celebrity captains to bringing back the draft, which I think can always be a little better, but it was great to have some interaction with the captains and the players and picking the teams and all that. Yeah. The skills I thought was outstanding. I, I loved it. Um, 
I, I don't know how you can't be, I don't know, amazed probably isn't the right word, but just impressed with how much better Connor McDavid is <laughs> than all the other best players in the world. Like to watch him when he turned up the speed, the, you know, the way he had to go through the obstacle course to watch it live. You're like, you could see with each stride, he was faster than the other guy. Yeah. Like it just was so impressive. And um, I loved it. I mean, Kucherov had a brutal day and I wish he would have tried harder after the thing went south on him. <laughs> but eh, I, I talked to him the next day. He was on the bench uh, during the game and he had this tape job. Like mm. he'd wrapped his stick and it had like big gaps in the tape. It looked like he didn't even try to put it on. It's white tape. He doesn't use that. And I said, <laughs> what are you doing there? He goes, did you see my day yesterday? He goes, I had to change something. And then he scored. So it was, you know, it was good for him. The games were good. The same as, you know, the, the three on, they always start the first games a little loose. Second yeah. game seems to be a little more intense. The yeah. championship game is the best. And uh, the goalies were great. Um, I, I thought it was a really, really good weekend. I really did. I think, I think it went over well. I think the players had fun. Um, yeah, I, I, it was, it was good. It was a good weekend. It, it did seem to have full buy-in. It really did, oh. um, which is imperative to have any level of success because normally the takeaway from All-Star Weekend is, okay, what was the jewel of the weekend? And the expectation going in was that it was going to be the skills competition. But I, I think your assessment is very honest of the games because mm -hmm. even the players after the final acknowledged that there was there were some nerves going into that championship. Is there anything about well, it that you would improve? Um. Yeah, you know what you know what I would have liked to have seen. I now what anybody does, uh, and in this case we're talking about Connor uh, McDavid with mm. the million dollars for the skills. I would have loved to have seen them have like a, each player designate a charity. Yeah, that is going to get a hundred thousand dollars, and every charity of the twelve, because there was twelve players in the skills gets a minimum of 10,000. And so each, each charity has a representative there. Yeah. And, um, the, the award is given to the person that wins the skills. He gets his big check, but mm -hmm. it would be for 500,000. Right. And, uh, or 600,000 and a hundred thousand would go or 250,000 rather goes to the, the selected charity. And then they have a draw in the stands, like a random draw that 10 people get $25,000. And it's just like, a, I don't know. I just think like, I think that would be really kind of cool and really, it's the same amount of money, costs the same amount for the insurance companies of the sponsors and all that. But I think that would be, would be pretty cool. Mm -hmm. I do have to say two players I want to point out because I had a brief chat with both of them, Boone Jenner and uh, Frank Vetrano. And both of them were like smiling ear to ear to be there. <laughs> they both, you know, Jenner's his 11th year. Yeah. You know, he would, he said, I never thought I would be here. He scored two goals. Vetrano was like, this is so awesome. And he scored. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I just felt, I see stories like that. And I'm like, I just, I, I cheer for those guys. I think that's, that's just the best. They had and, just a great time. And important. And, and that's an excellent reason why you continue to fight to have, you know, every team in the league represented. 
right? They're it's, not all going to be superstars. They, they're not yet. They're you know they're um, you know Jenner broke his jaw, missed fifteen games, but so yeah. but he's the leader of the Columbus team, and Vitrano's got twenty two goals. I mean, yeah. like they yeah. these guys should be recognized, and yeah, it could always be, you could have it for a very few players. Guess what? Next year you're going to have it for very few players, <laughs> and people are going to complain that it's not enough and. I think they did the best with it they can in a 32-league team league to get the most players involved that you can. All right. um, Big news in Los Angeles, and we touched on this with uh, the O-Dog last week. It was literally happening as we were (laughs) recording the episode. The LA Kings fire head coach Todd McClellan on Friday. Um, Now, I want to remind you, Ray, January 18th, Rob Lake, the general manager, comes out, meets the media, and basically ruled out a coaching change at that point. He said at the time that his plan was to rely on the players and the leadership to get them out of the mud. So that just tells you the level of pressure, um, not only on the general manager in this case, but senior management, maybe ownership, recognizing, okay, well, (laughs) January 18th, we still felt like we were a game or two from turning this thing around. You know, now we're, we're drifting into February. There's still plenty of hockey left. We're a playoff team or better. We were going to have to do something drastic and it ends up costing Todd McClellan his job. Yeah. I, uh, so I always have this feeling when a, when a manager, like in this case, Rob Blake comes out and gives that vote of confidence. I'm not firing the coach. First of all, what else is he going to say? You can't very well say the coach has got eight games and no, if we don't no. win six of them, then, you know, like you can't do that. And so at that time, obviously, there were discussions that things had to turn quick. Now, um, I did a game out there in Nashville, um, would have been maybe like the, a few days after that. Yeah. And Blake and McClellan had met with the coaches and they had gone over a bunch of video about things that needed to change. Like when the GM is in the video meetings, everybody's well aware of the importance yeah. of the next little while. And so they make the coaching change and Todd's a very good coach. He's an, mm-hmm. he's a terrific guy and a, he's a very, very good coach. What, what I found really interesting about the firing was that Blake said immediately, I'm, I'm aware of the implications of this firing for all of us. Right. Like it's not like, oh yeah, I'm protecting myself here. He's mm-hmm. saying if we don't get in, we're probably all under the microscope here. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it should be a better team. Um, they started great. They stumbled. Um, there's probably lots of reasons for it. One of Jim Hiller's, the new coach's uh, number one jobs is to somehow, some way, engage Pierre-Luc Dubois. Cam Talbot has to find his game again. Had a great start, was in the All-Star game. He's been less than average for about six weeks now. They've, they've got a number of guys that have fallen off the mark. They're going to get Victor Ardvitsen back, and I guess he'll help, but, man, he hasn't played this year, so yeah, that's going to be hard too. Yeah. What do you make the addition of DJ Smith to the coaching staff? Uh, not surprised that they would add another coach. Not surprised it would be somebody that was a head coach. Um, DJ and uh, – so Jim Hiller would have some input. They're not just going to drop a guy from the moon no, no. on the bench beside him and – Jim and DJ worked together in Toronto um, mm-hmm. when DJ was the assistant there. So um, the familiarity of that is probably somewhat comforting. But 
now you've got a recent NHL head coach standing there too. All right, a couple of big trades um, that, that came across our desk last week as well. Two of the top centers in the market moved. Elias Lindholm goes to the Vancouver Canucks from the Calgary Flames. Sean Monaghan from Montreal to the Winnipeg Jets. First-round draft picks raised, you know, included in both of those deals. Again, not overly surprising, but two substantial ads, I would say, for both the Canucks and the Jets. Yeah, well, so the first one that went down was the Vancouver deal, and um, it makes a sense from so many different ways in Vancouver. Um, they're top-heavy left-handed mm-hmm. in their lineup. All of their centers are left-handed. Uh, Lindholm is not. He's right-handed. He plays the center, plays the wing. Um, he's a 55% face-off guy. So this is a, a significant addition. His numbers are way down this year in Calgary. When you play on a team um, where you can see that the, the important days are not today, the, the future is what they're starting to look at. If you're a veteran guy and you're yeah. in the position of Lindholm where you know you're at the end of the year contract and both sides probably realize you're going to move on at the end of the year, not much, 10% maybe, your energy goes down, your engagement goes down, and I suspect he'll be really good in Vancouver. Yeah. He'll play with Elias Patterson, which will be a nightmare for Elias playing with <laughs> Elias. They've got two guys named Nils. <laughs> like, this is going to be a tough team to broadcast. But I think Lindholm will do really well because of his handedness. He's right-handed. He plays in the bumper spot on the power play. He can play out on the wing, like on the on the one-time side. Gives <laughs> him some um, some pliability in their lineup. It's a good move. Uh, Monaghan, um, that trade happens quick because there's only a few teams that are really in the mix for those centers. Yeah. And once one goes, look out. There's not yeah. many. And so everybody starts to fight over who's got the best uh, deal to make. And Monaghan, like Winnipeg had a big hole behind Mark Shifley. So now they got a right-hander, they got a left-hander. Uh, Monaghan can play up and down the lineup. He's been healthy, which is always a concern um, or has been a concern for for him. Uh, so I think a really terrific move for Winnipeg too. I got to say this though, Kent Hughes um, and Jeff Gordon in Montreal, when they acquired Monaghan from Calgary, they got a first round pick mm-hmm. to take on his contract. Right. When they traded him, they got a first round <laughs> pick. Like that is pretty sharp dealing right there. They got two first round picks yeah. and 72 games for a player or whatever, 75 games. I mean, really a good move for Montreal too. Yeah. And, and from Winnipeg's standpoint, as you've you know identified here, they needed that level of experience. And I really think that it came down to the two guys, right? It was either Sean Monaghan. Uh, or Adam Henry would have been in yeah. consideration from the Anaheim sure. Ducks as well. And safe to say, and we're going to talk about Scotty Lawton here from the Flyers in just a moment, but um, a lot of really good feedback on Adam Henry and the type of player that he is. But for Winnipeg's needs, maybe you get a little bit more offensive punch, would you say, from Monaghan as opposed to, to Adam Henry, who's described as a terrific pro. Yeah, and a little more size, yeah, a um, little, little more heft to to Monahan. Like he plays that way, right? Um, they both kind of skate the same. Like neither of them is going to, you know, burn up and down the ice. They're both pretty clever players. Henrik's having a awesome yeah. run here, and he'll be. I mean, I'll be shocked if he's 
in Anaheim past, mm-hmm. past a couple of weeks here. And the other thing is once these deals happen, they seem to happen in clusters. <laughs> True. And so, yeah. you know, you brought up Sean Monahan or you brought up uh, uh, Scott Lawton. And now you bring up Henrik and, you know, there's, there's not, there's not 15 centers around. These are, no. these are probably the next two. So Latin's name is out there, but we always qualify this. I mean, of course he's important to the Philadelphia Flyers. You know, we touched on Boone Jenner at the all-star, you know, teams are calling relentlessly, you know, bugging Yarmo. Is there any way Boone Jenner could be in play here? Well, very, very, very unlikely unless somebody tables something ridiculous, you know, on Boone Jenner, and then you consider it. That's what you have to do in the business of being a general manager. Lawton's a little bit different, right? So Philadelphia is listening, but they're not super motivated to trade him. Teams are calling. So Philadelphia head coach John Tortorella, right? We know he has a seat at that boardroom table alongside Danny Briere, the general manager, and Keith Jones, the president. He was asked as head coach yesterday to describe Scott Lawton's game right now. Inconsistent. Yeah, yeah inconsistent. Uh, when he's on, he's on. Uh, uh, a little, you know, you, you can tell by where I put him in the lines. Sometimes he's getting minutes, sometimes he isn't. Uh, yeah, but I, I think with the, with the last third here, uh, I think he knows how important the games are. I'm hoping he steps up and and, and just get on the, the right side of consistency because yeah. it's there. He's a very important guy for us. All right, so he didn't bury him, but and, and he went on to describe Scott Lawton as a, as a top leader and quote-unquote glue guy, right? Mm-hmm. So a very attractive piece. Um, you're the general manager. Are you... Are you Going to the coach after that and saying, okay, bud, like maybe don't be as honest, please. Like we're, we're just days outside of the March 8th trade deadline. I, we know you're frustrated with his level of consistency. We get that, but can you just keep that out of the media, please? Well, if you're going to go to him and say, could you be a little less open and honest? How many times are you having that conversation with torts? Like every Tuesday, (laughs) like, right? Like, so and they're those teams that are that are doing what Philly is, which is they it, at one point they seemed like they were going to be uh, building, you know, like builders, and then all of a sudden they have this great run and they're oh my gosh they're in a playoff race, so they're trying to walk a line here the whole time. So in 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 a sense, Torts is walking that line right now. He's like he wants Lawton to play better, and he's you know the inconsistency thing. Knowing at the same time, if he plays better, then it yeah. helps the Flyers, but also probably, you know, more teams are going to call or teams are going to intensify their calls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like he's a, Lawton fits in a lot of ways with, um, with teams that are looking for a player lower down the lineup, mm-hmm. like in that, in that bottom six, like your third line center, that that's kind of the, the place where Lawton seems to fit yeah. in, in my vision anyway. And so um, you know, that's, that's, we're not talking about a first rounder and a prospect and all that sort of stuff, but it's, it's still, it can be an important deal yeah. for them to make, especially the closer it gets to the deadline. Greg, you know, you, you talk to the guys, the managers and the agents all the time, the prices aren't going down. I no. mean, like they're, they're climbing and then there's a point right on deadline day where they're like, <laughs> if we're going to make this deal, then the deals, 
they kind of go one of two ways. The price plummets yeah. or it takes one last spike. And it's, it's, it's a bit of a game of, uh, uh, of bluff, right, that they're trying to play right to the end. Yeah, I mean, we'll have tons of trade talk here on the Rain Dregs Hockey Podcast leading up to March 8th. So uh, just uh, be ready for that. And uh, it goes beyond speculation from this point forward, right? Now we, we get to the place where, you know, we can absolutely connect the dots and, and it's not just about the pieces in play. Okay, uh, Ray, let's wrap up Tim Horton's headlines with international hockey. 2025, 2026 just got a lot busier for you with the announcement of four nations and the return of the NHL to the Winter Olympics in Italy in 2026. It's great for hockey. It, it really is. 25 is busier for sure. We don't know about 26, what's going on, who's broadcasting, who's doing all of that things. But uh, so next year, the I think it's a seven games is what it's going to turn out to be. Um, you know, I, I heard, am I right with it's Montreal and Boston or or is that? Is that decided I don't know yet, if, or is I, I, I don't know that it's officially signed off on, but yeah, it, it's, so it's going to be a Canadian city and a U.S. Yes, city. Yes, yes. And um, so we'll we'll do, I assume, a good chunk of that. So what was the All Star Game will be this, um, and I'm looking forward to it. You know, again, like there's there's always, uh, you know, like you know, David Pasternak said, you know. Czechia is not in it. I, you know, I'm really disappointed and um, yeah. and disappointed we can't watch him play because he's fabulous to watch. And yeah. certainly, while the international community figures out what's going to be the road forward with Russia, the you know the Russians aren't involved, and um, you know, it, so the Swedes and the Finns, Canadians and the U.S. and that'll be fun to watch. I think it'll be it'll be a nice little taster for the Olympics the next year, and I. There's not a player around that is going to be involved that won't be excited about that. I know the NHL had an idea that would have incorporated star players like David Posternock, Leon Dreisaitl, those type of, of, you know, kind of global hockey stars. Um, it was shot down by the Players Association. I, I So I, I don't know the details. I'm not sure of exactly what was being proposed, but, you know, just to qualify why it might have been shot down. Okay, there might be a handful of those players that would love to play, you know, in that environment, but they want to play for their countries. They want to they yeah. don't want to come in as a sidebar, you know, as as you know, just kind of a, a showcase. They want to be part of the actual event. So I think right. rightly the players association pushed back and said, you know what? Um, no, you know, let's just leave it for now. Let these guys enjoy their break. And hopefully, uh, as the Four Nations eventually morphs into a World Cup of Hockey, then at that point, we'll be able to bring the rest of some of the hockey superpowers back into play. So that would make some sense. It, it would. I mean, I the I hybrid team, whatever you call it, like it, it just it, it just doesn't mm. feel right. No. You know, like they're they're all kind of lumped together there. It may, it makes it feel. I think a team like that, like an exhibition. I don't even think it was a team though, Ray. I think it was like literally just a handful of these guys coming in for maybe another version of a skills competition, something along those oh, lines. No, nah, you don't need that. No, no you don't need that. No, Let's right. play the games. Yeah. All right. Those are your headlines. Thank you to our good friends at Tim Hortons. 
your favorite retro donuts are back from the past. And with our 20-minute fresh coffee, what's classic is always fresh. So good. It's time for retro donuts. It's time for Tim's. It's time for Tim's. Our interviews on Rain Dregs brought to us by Canadian Club Whiskey. The first release of the Canadian Club Invitation Series is out there. The CC 15-year-old Sherry Cask. All the hallmarks of classic Canadian Club with the added richness and sweetness of Sherry. Ask Rain Riggs anything, boy, oh, had fun with this one, man. He just, you know, it just these, these kind of rapid fire sort of things. He didn't know what was coming, but he was just fully engaged. Um, you can send your questions to us on our socials, uh, on X and Instagram at Rain Riggs or on the website, raindriggs.com. Okay, the first one from Jeff. I don't think it's Jeff O'Neill. No, it's not Jeff. Jeff. Hello, Ray and Dregs, or perhaps O-Dog and Dregs these days. Ha <laughs> uh, The all-star celebrity captains, Ray, was fun. But what do you think about making the captains ex-greats from the host city's team? A game in Toronto, so one of the captains would have been Matt Sundin, another Doug Gilmore, Wendell Clark, maybe Darcy Tucker. If the game is in St. Louis, you've got Oates, you've got Pronger, you've got McInnes, you've got Ferraro. Um, yeah. They will all compete in the skills competition and then would help coach in the games. And he says, thanks, guys. Absolutely love the pod by far. My favorite hockey podcast. What do you think of the idea? Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm on board till they said about them competing and somehow <laughs> I, I might have to compete. Oof. Nobody wants to see that anymore. I, that's a good idea. Why, why not? Anytime you can connect past to the present, sure. Yeah, uh, the yeah. fans would love to see, um, you know, some of the greats of the um, of, of their, you know, of their local city yeah. involved. Yeah. Sure, I, I I would be all for it. I I gotta say, when in the skills they had Steve Thomas out there passing, um, so I sent him a text. I'm like, Stumpy, do not break anyone's ankles. Nobody <laughs> could fire a rocket pass off someone's ankle like Stump, and so. Uh, <laughs> And he said, no, no, I'm going to get him flat here. So it was kind of neat. You know, Doug Gilmore was out there passing and Sarah Nurse was passing. And um, I, I, I like that stuff because I, I think it's a fun part of the of the deal. But I, I honestly, I, I think it's a good idea, but I liked, uh, I liked what they did this time. You know, the, the little net event, that, that stresses oh. me out. That gives me anxiety. I can't even imagine being the player participating in that because I mean, Kale McCarr made it look pedestrian, right? He made it look super easy. Uh, and then I'm like, Oh, once you miss the first four or five shots, all hell breaks loose. Yeah. Matt, they had to bring out more pucks for Matt for Barzell. Barzell. <laughs> That's brutal. Um, Terrible. But, but so I walked, as I was walking into the rink on Saturday, I walked <laughs> past like this little storage area and the little nets were there. Yeah. So I stopped and looked at them and I'm like, those skinny ones, they're they're not wide. No. Like, and the wide one looks pretty wide, except you're twenty feet from it. Yeah. It's you know it's I was like man those things are pretty narrow and once you you're right once you miss a couple oh. I'm sure like I know it like your heart starts going a little faster you're you're squeezing it a bit and <laughs> Matt Barzell's a fabulous passer and he could have been there for a month and it was like <laughs> oh my god poor guy get. Put one in, would you? <laughs> All right, one more and ask Rain Dregs from Todd. Um, and this kind of bookends 
this episode of the Rain Dregs podcast. So he says, listening to O-Dog talk about Ray's chirping him as a player made me wonder, is there a line, Ray, regarding things that can be said to an opponent and are some things off limits? Now, there's a second part to this question, but let's start with there. There would be things that are off limits, right? For Family, sure. mothers, fathers, yeah. wives. Um, for sure. Um, the line probably was a little wider back yeah. In the seventies and eighties and 90s. because of no microphones and, and yeah. And, know, and that, just, yeah. and sensibilities. I mean, yeah. like, yeah. you know, like it just, it just, it was a wider, wider playing field. And, yeah. uh, they're really, you know, I don't, I don't hear a lot of chirping. I mean, I'm on the ice. I don't hear a lot from the guys. Um, and I, I think they're all not, I think, I know they're all pretty cognizant as there's mics everywhere. And, Everybody wants to know the chirps, but if they heard some of them, they probably wouldn't be that thrilled. Yeah. Because you're not, you know, like you're not, it, it's not a pat on the back society, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, and the other thing that I, I, I do think, and this does, isn't just with, you know, he's asking about chirps, but also about when guys retaliate on the ice. If you look at it from, you know, your couch or from, you know, a hundred feet above the ice, you lose the emotion of what's happening. It would mm -hmm. be nice to say, okay, if you, everybody's got to take a half a breath and then let emotion settle and then go ahead. That just doesn't happen. All and right. that's why some guy turns around and swats somebody with a, with their glove or slashes somebody when they shouldn't is because emotions taken over. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that's just, that's just part of it. Okay, uh, the second part of Todd's question is, as parents and youth coaches, how should we balance the lessons of sportsmanship and respect for opponents with reality that, you know, chirping is part of the sport at almost every level? I, I, and I know where Todd's going with this, and he asks, how do you handle this, or how did we handle this with our own kids, in you know, in, in varying sports? But there is a significant difference between professional sport and amateur sport. And I think for the most part, um, minor hockey, minor sport, amateur sport does a nice job. Maybe could do a better job, but does an effective job of trying to police this as much as possible. So you go first. How, did you ever have experiences or situations where you had to handle this with your own kids? Not, um, uh, not verbal stuff. Yeah. Um, Temper tantrum stuff for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, which of course, when I look back, I'm like, well, gee, I wonder where they learned that from. <laughs> you know, like I remember a game in Atlanta and Landon would have been maybe 10 and he went back and slammed his stick against the boards and I was across the ice and I, you know, I just yelled, Hey, and you know, he knew. And as I thought about it, I'm like, gee, I wonder where he saw that. <laughs> you know, like, the, of course it was, you know, it was my, it was me, but um, not, not the verbal stuff. Here's what I do think. I, I think they do a good job as far as I can tell um, in, in minor hockey and minor sports, it can always be better. Yeah. It can, it can always be better. And that should be the goal is that I, I think there's certainly more awareness of it today than there was five years ago and yeah. certainly 10 and 20 years ago, but that doesn't mean we're at the finish line. So right. keep pushing to improve that a lot of the sportsmanship stuff 
honestly falls to the parents and the coaches. Yeah. And it, it might be unfair to the coaches at some point, because if the parents aren't supporting it at home, then you've got a real problem. Mm -hmm. But the, the, the coaches have to realize that if they're screaming at the officials, the kids are going to scream at the officials. If it's a bad call, you can say to your team, guys, we don't like that call, but it's already made. So let's play. Right. Like, I, I think that's how you start continually reinforcing yeah. that there's a way to play. It doesn't mean you're going to be happy with it all the time, but you have to conduct yourself in a, in a sportsman-like manner because yeah. that's how the game is played. You know, an excellent topic by Todd. Um, and we'll leave it at this, but I'm sure that, that you had the same experience. The only thing that bothered me uh, when Mason was playing hockey was when the players would, would grab the low-hanging fruit, which is me, right? Um, and I, I remember one <clears throat> experience. He was playing midget hockey. Uh, and Chris Secord, who uh, was the trainer slash assistant coach, just he's losing it on the bench. Mason's standing by the door, and some kid says something to him on the bench, and the linesman is standing right there. And the opposing kid said something grotesque about me to Mason. And the reason that this coach trainer is losing it is because he knows the official heard what this kid said at 16, 17 years of age and did nothing about it. That was the stuff that always pissed me off. You know, individually, yeah, my kid ran hot. I got it. I'm sure he said terrible things out there as well. But eh, when you hear that stuff, that's part of the responsibility of you know, being a leader in an association or to a point being an official on the ice. Sometimes you just right. well, react. We, we, we ask a lot from the officials for sure. Yeah. And when 30 parents are screaming at them uh, all night, they might, they might just go, you know what? Screw it. I just want this game to end. For sure. They're, I'm not getting paid enough here to step into this landmine. No. And so we can, we can talk about it in, um, in theory and say, oh, this should happen and this should happen. But if minor sports want to improve, the people that want to improve should look in the mirror first. Yep. And I, I can say that almost with certainty, I'm trying to think of a time I would have yelled at an official. Never. Mm, good for you. But like fuming about something for sure, but yeah. it's such madness in there. I get the emotion. There is nothing more emotional than watching your son or daughter play sports. There is nothing yeah. because you want them to do so well. And it's a, it's, it is a landmine around the corner all the time. And so in every instance, I look at the parent or the adult and say, you're the one that's got to fix this, not the kid. What a question from Todd. And the second a great part of the question. question. Yeah, it was because it, you know, it, it, it takes us from the, the world of pro hockey, the chirping that maybe isn't as prevalent today as it once was back in the day to the stuff that really matters, which is going on in youth sports. And, and you know what? And it's a, it's a great, it's a great topic to talk about because um, the more people that talk about it, somebody might have a better idea. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And if, and, and if they do like, then it's okay. Well, let's take that idea and maybe we can implement it in our local 
association. Maybe it becomes better closer to home. Maybe that spreads a little. I mean, that's the way things happen. That's what grassroots is. All right, Todd, thank you. Jeff, thank you. Ray, what's the week like, my friend? Where are you off to? I'm uh, actually in studio in Bristol on Thursday, oh, which has nice. never happened. Cushy so, gig, yeah. Yeah, well, you studio guys, people nice. feed you. Oh. It's nice and warm. Um, you know, like, you know, you get the... You, I have a little trouble getting around the ESPN campus. It's a rather large place. And uh, I had trouble, as you know, getting from building one to building two. Yeah, at, I get it. At TSN. So um, that was uh, that was a trouble enough. So I'm there Thursday. And then uh, Saturday, I'm in Boston uh, for Washington. Okay, um, good. Washington just, uh, I see Kuznetsov's in the is out in player assistance program. And, yeah. You know, and so the Capitals will be trying to manage their way through as they try to hang around a playoff spot. And the Bruins, I don't know, they just never lose. So they're, hmm. I think they got nine losses this year. And um, yeah, so we'll be in there on Saturday, home Sunday for the Super Bowl. Excellent. All right. Well, save travels. And What about uh, you? What about you? Yeah, you know what? It's Super Bowl week. James Duffy is in Vegas. Um, apparently got a nice room out in Vegas, eh? Yeah, apparently checked in to whatever the Vegas hotel is, got into his room and his tub is full of water. I'm getting a penthouse suite if that happens to me, man. I'm Why does that just gross you out? Like, oh, right? like oh, Jesus. Like, what is going on? Get me out of there. So, all right, you'll be in the East, so that'll work well for the next episode of uh, Ray and Drake. So we'll likely check back on Thursday. Yep, talk Thursday, and thanks for listening, everybody. Good to be back. Yeah, you bet. Thank you to our sponsors, our uh, title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey. And as always, Tim Hortons, thank you. And thank you for listening, for rating, for sharing the podcast, and especially for following us on the Rain Dregs YouTube channel. Until next time, stay safe, everybody.